0: Section eighteen of the American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Frederick J. Tabor Frost. Section eighteen On the Southern Sierras, Part Two who knows indeed who does not know what eggs rice and coffee will cost the impertinent frankness of the rascal's intentions was too much for us if he could have only got us to have eaten the food he meant to charge us about five times its value with a curse at the limitless dishonesty of yucatecans we left his filthy store preferring hunger to such a host we walked fifty yards down the village and then as we came to a likely looking indian hut we knocked at the door and asked the woman who came from the washing tray to answer us whether she could give us any food with a gentle apologetic smile she said she had very little but we were welcome to all that she invited us in gave us the seats of honour in the hammocks. in a minute or two a pot of coffee was steaming on the embers she had made up the fire had sent a child out to the garden where the hens were to find an egg or two and with rice and tortillas served as a meal which to our sharpened appetites was as tasty as a guildhall banquet when we had done and were leaving with many a shy smile and gesture of distaste for charging anything she asked twenty-five centavos six pence here you have in epitome the indian and the yucatecan the indian woman at the beginning of the village who had toiled at dawn to bring from the village well her household's daily supply of drinking water glad to give all we asked for nothing in the centre of the village the great coarse unwieldy yucatecan shopman the snub-nosed rogue whose dirty mean mind was centred upon the wretched gains of his cheating life and then this kindly indian hostess who gave us her all and asked but a pittance in return for the clearing of her larders savages and slaves if we wrote ten thousand words they would surely not be so convincing as this eloquent incident at tabi from tabi the distance to the ruins of labna is some twelve miles at tabi you have reached the top of the first range of those sierras which command the vast valley lands around ticul stretching northward toward merida the road leads for the first few miles between luxuriant hedges to the hacienda of san francisco where we stayed the night and thence it plunges into a really beautiful wooded hilly country the thick foliage climbing up the sides of the bluffs which range each side of the roadway rearing their bare limestone crowns above the trees it is a forest world very different from the desolate and dark woods of the northeast and as the underwood crackles beneath our feet deer break away from the coverts at the roadsides and bound up the wooded slopes at the seventh mile from the hacienda a ruin shows on a hill to the right it looks worth the climb and with axe and machete we make our way to it it had been a two-storied building but the upper portion was in hopeless ruin the lower story consisted of six rooms entered by six doorways the front ornamented by a now much broken row of pilasters half rounded their attachment to the building being on the flat side above these was a second row of smaller pilasters about a foot long and above them a coping as edging for the platform once smooth stone now hopeless earth tangle and debris upon which the upper building stood between the third and fourth doorway a flying arch still supported the remnants of a staircase some ten feet wide which led up to the upper building two miles further on through the woodland and the country opens out on the right into a large clearing locked in on all sides by high limestone hills just the ideal site for the fine city labna must have been the ruins form a scene of complete but grand desolation the north side of what was once the great city square now a tangle of jungle undergrowth is occupied by the ruins of a superb palace standing on a terrace four hundred feet long and one hundred fifty feet deep the building is of such a bizarre shape that it looks as if its builders had been playing a gigantic game of dominoes with stone and mortar beginning at the eastern end of the building for about two hundred feet it faces south at this point the front turns at right angles and runs back some ninety to one hundred feet facing west another angle is formed here the building once more facing south for some two hundred feet almost at the end of which a narrow block projects in a line with the first corner turning forming a three-sided courtyard the fourth the south side being open this gigantic building is divided into a series of low narrow rooms the doors an equal distance from one another and the whole front alternately formed of flat hewn stones and pillars the latter like half-tree trunks mortared flat upon the building slightly barrel-shaped and never monolithic many of them broken into two columns by two or three small rounds of stone this curious facade, the like of which we had not met within the north-east was crowned by an entablature some three feet deep running the whole length of the building the architrave elaborately carved in rectangular designs interspersed with rosettes leaves lozenges and diamonds the corners ornamented with gaping alligator jaws in which are carved human heads the upper story of this extraordinary building was reached by a central staircase now in ruins and stood far back upon a terrace all two-storied mayan buildings have this peculiarity the upper story never forms one sheer face of stone with the lower as in ordinary house-building but always stands back on a platform more or less wide here at labna this platform was some twenty-five feet wide and had once been stone-paved throughout its whole length at about the middle of it was a circular hole between two and three feet in diameter this led to a vault-like chamber about four feet deep with parallel walls and triangular arched ceiling a doorless replica in fact of the other rooms of the palace this subterranean room was built in the solid part of the terrace which formed the roof of the first story Stevens mentions that the Indians of his day were very superstitious about the hole and believed it haunted. This is not surprising, for even today, after sixty years' further contact with civilization, weird stories are associated with most of the buildings. There are other of these secret rooms with entrances from the top, both at Labna, Ushmal, and elsewhere the ancient use of these chultunes as the mayans call them has been much discussed and Stevens, we think quite rightly rejected the idea that they were reservoirs for the storing of water it is far more probable that they were storerooms for grain or other eatables or possibly treasure-houses though we incline to the belief that they may have been prisons a suggestion which we think we are the first to advance standing at right angles to the eastern end of the palace facing westward is a second building one storied divided into eleven rooms it is a solid structure in fair preservation and in singular contrast with the palace in being almost entirely devoid of decoration or carving but the most remarkable building at labna stands on a mound about fifty feet high its slopes now a mass of shrub and debris it consists of a two-roomed structure which by reason of the perpendicular wall that rises up some thirty feet above the roof level is one of the most extraordinary in yucatan most curious is the effect of the isolated position of this wall which towers above the ruined rooms of the south side it is slotted with narrow perpendicular apertures like the window openings so often seen in a norman castle wall it is elaborately carved with designs in deep relief now so ruined that it is next to impossible at the distance at which one is obliged to stand from the wall to follow the original scheme of ornamentation along the top was once a row of death's heads beneath were two lines of human figures of which only arms and legs now appear over what was the centre doorway are the remains of a colossal figure with beneath it what certainly looked to us like a phallic emblem the whole of the wall still bears trace of the colors with which its extraordinary carvings were once painted there can be little doubt that like the castillo at chichen this building was of a religious nature and it is one more proof of the extraordinary versatility of the ancient mayan architects right below this mound to the westward stands the most beautiful of all the ruins at labna an arched gateway our photograph of which we reproduce this archway is remarkable as being the nearest approach so far discovered in central america to the classic archways but as will be seen by our illustration, it is still distinctly Mayan with its narrow roofstone through this archway you pass into what formed once a quadrangle. Each side of the arch and all round, doorways lead into chambers twelve feet by eight. Over each doorway had been a square recess in which were the relics of a carved ornament which as stephen says looks like the representation of a rayed sun right and left of this archway the building of which it formed a grand entrance ran out for some distance and when complete it must have been a striking example of architectural majesty and grace the distance as the crow flies from labna to sayil our next destination is but a few miles but the cross-country journey the whole district studded with limestone hills is an impossible one and thus we had to return to tabi whence it is some sixteen miles taking the hacienda of santa ana on the way in many ways sayil is a replica of labna but on a grander scale we should almost despair of giving any adequate idea of the majesty of what must have been the palace of sayil if we were not able to reproduce on the plate opposite our photograph of it the building is immense sublime in its immensity even in its ruined state it strikes one dumb with wonder today no less than eighty-seven rooms can be counted and their ones were probably upwards of one hundred and fifty what it must have been like when its triple terraces were perfect and its three-columned stories carved and decorated housed their ancient inhabitants one must leave to the imagination In the center of the building was a grand staircase thirty-two feet wide which ascended to the top of the structure this staircase and the right hand portion of the building are in hopeless ruins but enough remains to prove the grandeur of the conception of these wonderful Indian architects who working without metals or tools of precision were able to plan and raise a pile which in its majesty and size is fitting to rank with the architectural wonders of the world. The palace measures on the ground floor 265 feet in frontage and 120 feet in depth. The second story was 220 feet long and 60 feet deep. The third story is 150 feet long and 18 feet deep. The general design of the facades, those of the lower two, having been columnar, as seen clearly in the second, was identical. The facade of the upper terrace was plain the entablatures of the first and second were elaborately decorated with carvings among which the most remarkable is the figure of a man supporting himself on his hands with his legs bent wide apart at right angles to his body in an attitude which certainly cannot be said to err on the side of delicacy the building is to the rear much what it is in the front though the platforms of the back terraces are narrower the rooms vary in length from twenty three feet to ten in the second range to the northward there were ten doorways sealed up with masonry like those we had earlier found in the nunnery building at chichen stevens in eighteen forty two broke into this and discovered that there were ten rooms two hundred twenty feet long altogether each ten feet deep filled with solid masses of mortar and stone the most extraordinary fact disclosed by him is that the filling up of the rooms must have been done in the course of the erection of the building for as the stone fillings rose above the top of the doorways the workmen could not have entered the apartments through the doors to complete the work of filling in the only way of explaining the means by which these rooms could have been thus made solid is to assume that the work was done from the top before the ceilings of the rooms were superimposed stevens is at a loss to explain this feature of the building for as he says if the filling up of these ten rooms was necessary to strengthen the supports of the third terrace it would seem to have been much easier to erect a solid structure at once without any division into apartments we think he missed the simplest explanation of all it is quite possible that the palace as first designed was to be two-storied indeed this is most probable as this marvellous palace at sayil is one of the few mayan buildings which have three habitable stories when the building operations had reached the second terrace the cacique impressed with the grandeur of his work determined to give the building the added glory of a third story but the master architect had his doubts as to whether the foundation work would bear this added weight and to guard against any settling stayed the completion of the rooms in the rear and filled up this ten before the roofs were put on surely this is a very natural and very simple explanation of what is otherwise inexplicable from the terraces of the palace towards the northwest we see a high wooded hill surmounted by a building the densest wood covers the intervening space of about a quarter of a mile and the going was of the hardest but the actual climb of the hill was really the most difficult job and slipping and sliding with bleeding hands and torn clothes for the whole surface is spread with cactus and acacia-like shrubs with thorns two or three inches long and a quarter of an inch wide we deserve to reach a remarkable building we do not get our desserts, for it proves to be a much ruined three-roomed house the only remarkable feature being a carved face of life-size over the centre door and within the print of the red hand from the terrace the view into the valley below with the mighty palace breaking the endless woodland evoked our enthusiasm despite our breathlessness at a distance of about half a mile to the south of the palace stand the ruins of a building like that described by us at labna on a mound, an ordinary building, forty feet wide and flat-roofed, is surmounted by a perpendicular wall, some thirty feet high and two feet thick. This had the same oblong openings, like small castle windows, which we had seen at Labna, and bore on it the remnants of carved human figures and varied ornamentation. To the south-southwest of this. Stevens discovered yet another remarkable building, one hundred seventeen feet long, eighty four feet deep, and divided into sixteen rooms. This stood upon what he describes as probably the largest terrace in Yucatan, from north to south, at least one thousand five hundred feet in length with only one indian we had to give up the idea of piercing the woods in this direction but we had seen enough to feel satisfied that sayil was once a city of first-rate importance the immense palace alone must have entailed a continuous labour of thousands of workmen for some years three miles from the hacienda of santa ana where we stayed are the ruins of caba there is every reason to believe that these ruins represent the remains of what was once though probably only for a short period a large and powerful city as far as it is possible to piece together from traditional history the records of this group of cities of the southern sierras it would seem to be fairly certain that the ruins we find today represent a vigorous recrudescence of building immediately after and as a result of the destruction of mayapan by the confederation of caciques doubtless labna sayil and Kaba existed as cities before this great victory but just as the downfall of the overlord of mayapan was we believe the signal for that temporary supremacy of the itzas what we might call the golden age of chichen saw it heralded in a period short of a century during which this group of southern sierra cities enjoyed an hitherto unknown prosperity we shall later try to show what exact connection we believe existed between the art of these sierra towns of fifteenth-century chichen and copan and palenque this architectural period which is perhaps best of all represented in caba is essentially florid and though highly adroit in its intricacy distinctly barbaric the most notable feature at caba as at most of the ruined cities of yucatan is the huge mound or tiacali some eighty feet high now a mountain of loose stone rubbish and overgrowth though once stepped all round and crowned by a building north-eastward on a terrace two hundred feet wide by one hundred forty-two deep these are stephen's measurements stands one of the only two buildings of caba which are in any sort of preservation the structure had a frontage of upwards of one hundred fifty feet and its facade is so remarkable for its ornamentation that we reproduce at page three hundred eighteen stephen's drawing which will give a far better idea of the design than any description over the doorways had been a cornice of which remnants remain and which as stephen says tried by the severest rules of art recognized among us would embellish the architecture of any known era this building had been surmounted by a sort of elaborate stone combing extending the full length of the front and reaching a height of about fifteen feet the interior was planned on the usual arrangement of rooms found in these mayan cities each doorway admitting to a front room which in turn gives admission to an inner chamber raised a foot or two above the ground level of the first and reached by a step in the centre apartment at kaba this usually simple step had been replaced by two stone steps carved out of a single block the lower step being in the form of a scroll the sides of the steps were carved as was also the wall under the doorway to the northeast stands a second palace three-storied which must once have been a smaller replica of the majestic building at Sahil. although hopelessly ruined and silted over with debris the plan of the building was obviously the same in all particulars even to the staircase by which ascent was made to the topmost range of the apartments to the westward of these ruins Stevens in eighteen forty two found two buildings erected on a great terrace some eight hundred feet long and one hundred feet wide the first of these houses with a two hundred seventeen foot frontage has seven doorways each opening to single apartments except the centre one which led into two the doorways had had wooden lintels which had disappeared the other house with the one hundred forty-three foot frontage and thirty-one feet deep was two-storied with a wide staircase in the centre leading to the topmost range here Stevens discovered a wonderful carved lintel consisting of two beams the outer one split in two lengthwise this constitutes the best example so far discovered of central american wood carving tradition relates that this city of kabah was contemporaneous with the most prosperous days of which city we shall now shortly describe between the two ran says tradition a great paved way of pure white stone serving as a highroad of communication for the two allied chiefs upon which their messengers passed bearing letters written on leaves and the bark of trees uxmal at once the largest and the best preserved of all the ruined cities of the southern sierras is between fifty and sixty miles to the southwest of merida and stands on the hacienda of don augusto peon who however has not visited it he told us more than two or three times during the past nine years because of its extreme unhealthiness as a place of residence owing to the malaria breeding swamps the ruins cover about half a square mile and consist of five principal buildings these are the pyramid temple a castillo such as that at chichen a quadrangular edifice which archaeologists have agreed to call the nunnery the house of turtles, named from the nature of some of the decorations, the house of pigeons, from the high pierced combing, which has some likeness to the front of a long dovecote, and the governor's palace. The latter day names of Mayan ruined buildings are usually unsatisfactory, and perhaps those of Uxmal are the most unsatisfactory of any taking the pyramid first as being at once the largest and the most prominent feature of the ruined group we find it to consist of a mound upwards of eighty feet high two hundred forty feet at the base and one hundred sixty feet wide the platform top of the pyramid measures about twenty three feet by eighty the pyramid is built of rough stone and rubble and was faced with stones flat hewn some of which are still in position on the east side a stairway steeper than that of chichen ascends to the top the pyramid is crowned with a temple which measures some seventy feet by twelve and is three-roomed this castillo at uxmal is distinguished from those at chichen and elsewhere by a unique feature namely the building out of a small edifice or temple some twenty feet below the level of the platform summit of the mound and having its roof level with it this building stands on a projecting platform of its own on the west side of the pyramid and originally communicated with the ground by a stairway twenty-four feet wide it has one doorway and its facade is more richly ornamented than that of any other building in the group notable being the colossal snouted mask over the doorway this rests upon a pedestal with two jaguar heads looking each way the lintels are sapota beams which are to-day still in their places as they were when stephens visited the city in eighteen forty two separated from the pyramid by what appears to have been a small courtyard is the nunnery a group of four buildings roughly forming a quadrangle with passageway at the corners, really four distinct buildings forming the sides of a large courtyard. Three of these edifices present a solid front externally, while that on the south, two hundred seventy nine feet long, has as its centre a gateway spanned by an arch ten feet eight inches wide and some fifteen feet high the whole four buildings though on slightly different levels may be roughly said to stand on a terrace some three hundred feet square all the buildings have the walls plain and the entablature elaborately sculptured that on the east had a centrepiece above the cornice while that on the north was adorned with a false front consisting of a series of triangular gables in the scheme of decoration the most notable features are the so-called snouted mask which we found at chichen and the feathered serpent design between the nunnery and the castillo Stevens found what he called the house of birds because of its exterior being ornamented with rude representations of feathers and birds to the south of the nunnery quadrangle still stand the ruined walls of what was a tennis court such as we have described and illustrated at chichen still further south stands the governor's palace about three hundred feet long forty feet wide and some twenty-five feet high it has eleven doorways in front and one at each end the interior is longitudinally divided into two corridors which are in turn partitioned off into oblong-shaped rooms the chief of which in the centre of the building are sixty feet long there is nothing notable in the actual building of this palace which conforms to the designs common at chichen and elsewhere the rear of the building is unbroken by doorways but has two arches towards each end let into the building the full length of the entablature is elaborately carved in a lattice-work pattern with ornamentation superimposed in which the snouted mask is a leading feature over the doorways the ordinary design is broken by specially elaborate carvings which usually take the form of a v-shape bordered with a lattice pattern and small projecting squares to the northwest of this palace is the so-called house of turtles which gains its name from the curious frieze on which turtles are the chief ornamentation it has a frontage of ninety-four feet and is about thirty feet deep the east and west ends are much ruined and portions of the roof have fallen it is remarkable as entirely lacking the profuse ornamentation of the governor's palace and the nunnery to the south-west of this stands the building in shape of a quadrangle to which the absurd name of house of pigeons has been given in allusion to a series of nine gables of which eight are still standing which form a false front each gable pierced with thirty rectangular openings in seven horizontal rows the whole building is two hundred forty feet long in the centre of the front which looks northward is an arch ten feet wide leading into what was once the courtyard of the building the other wings of the quadrangle are in hopeless ruin to the south of the house of pigeons is another small courtyard enclosed once on the east and west by buildings with a mound on the south side up which runs a well-preserved stairway at the southwest corner of the governor's palace is a large truncated pyramid between sixty and seventy feet high and about two hundred seventy feet at the base the top is about seventy feet square and some fifteen feet from it on the north side is a ledge or terrace which suggests that the buildings which once stood on this mound were similar in design to those which we have described as still standing on the mound called the house of the dwarf around Ushmal, no excavations of any moment have been made the owner of the land seor don augusto Peon, very courteously told us that if we were able to delay our departure he would grant us all facilities for spade work among the ruins unfortunately we could not alter our arrangements but undoubtedly there is a large field for work here which will amply reward archaeologists in those days when the dog in the manger policy of the mexican jacks in office is a thing of the past and intelligent landowners such as seor peon can assist students in every way instead of having their hands fettered by absurd federal rules but though no excavation work has been done many pieces of sculpture have been unearthed from a surface layer of debris. such was a column five feet high tapering toward the base where it had a diameter of twenty inches while at the top it measured twenty-eight and ornamented with two rows of hieroglyphics another sculpture found by stevens is a seat or couch carved out of a single block of stone and measuring three feet two inches in length and two feet in height its design is a double-headed animal of the jaguar type but which stevens thought to represent lynxes its interest lies in the fact that the representation of some such ceremonial seat was found at Palenque, as we shall presently show. End of section eighteen. Recording by Shena Serre, Fresno, California.